We're currently on the tarmac in South Africa's only privately owned heliport here in Waterfall City. Warming up behind us is a Bell 222 with pilot David Similani ready to give us an aerial tour of the estate. It looks like we're all set for takeoff. Let's go! It's only at 6,000 feet above the earth that we can truly appreciate the vastness of Waterfall Estate. 2,200 hectares of land, to be exact. To the north, we can see Pretoria, and in the south is the powerhouse of Africa, Johannesburg. Sandwiched in the middle is Midrand and Sanson, and from here we can also see the spine that links it all, the N1. Directly below us is the Mall of Africa and Waterfall's eight residential developments. It's easy to appreciate now, but how did Waterfall Estate manage such impressive growth? How did it come to be awarded the title of Best Mixed-Use Development in South Africa and the world for 2018 and 2019? How did the developers and planners create a brand new city within a city with incredible infrastructure, housing, hospitals, schools, hotels, malls, and so much more? That's it. Let's prepare for landing. You walk, you drive, you work, and you live on this land every day. But have you ever given thought to its development? Join Sia Sangweni once a month as he reveals fascinating facts and impressive statistics about Waterfall Estate. He'll debunk myths and provide insights about the maintenance, wildlife, groundbreaking businesses, and interesting residents. This podcast will make you proud to live and work here. Welcome to the Go Waterfall Podcast. It was around 2016 when I first drove through Waterfall Estate. I remember thinking to myself, it feels expansive and seemingly never-ending, and almost as if it just popped out of nowhere. Just a few years ago, traveling from Pretoria to Joburg, I would see lots of empty land. Now, I was going to the biggest mall in Africa, surrounded by these impressive buildings and beautifully maintained roads and manicured gardens. I wanted to find out exactly how it went from this empty piece of land to what we can see today, how it came to be Waterfall Estate, and how such a large undertaking is managed on a day-to-day basis. And I found just the right person to talk to. I'm Sia Sangwin, and during this podcast series, I'm going to be exploring the various aspects of Waterfall Estate. Let me start with by saying that I think I've got one of the greatest jobs in Johannesburg. That's Willy Foss. He's the CEO of Waterfall Management Company. Now, the first thing that struck me about Willy was just how down-to-earth he was. I expected a typical executive in a suit and tie who would just march in and say, let's get this over with. However, he was nothing like that. He arrived in jeans and a collared top and was incredibly friendly was so honest and willing to open up about his role. I couldn't stop thinking about how he has this massive weight on his shoulders, 
but is so optimistic and excited about his role that it certainly doesn't show. There's not many people that get the opportunity to be involved in something where it's basically green fields and then after a few years you see houses and construction, you know, buildings, etc. and so many people involved. I often say to people, the only type of people that I haven't met yet are astronauts. As far as the rest are concerned, presidents and politicians and teachers, name them, I've, I've met them. He spoke a lot about how much he loves his job and all the aspects of it that brings him joy. But what exactly does this dream job entail? The main thing that we do, and if I say we, I'm talking about my team in my office, we coordinate activities between all the relevant role players, uh, and that's now the the development partners as well as the residential um, developments, the residential associations, the businesses, uh, local government, uh, provincial government. So that's what we do. We uh, try and unblock uh, blockages and try and point people in the correct direction. And that's actually through um, the way that our development is set up. That's a 99-year lease. It enables us to be involved in all the developments and at least ensure that the original vision that we had for the farm can be carried across all our developments. For example, we have a certain standard in terms of uh, architectural design. We want the development to be as green-friendly as possible. From an environmental point of view, we would like people to plant indigenous wherever possible, use less water. And uh, from a security point of view, we can coordinate infrastructure between various people. And the same goes with roads, etc. And it helps us to ensure that the people in the environment gets the benefit of it. Unlike, you know, uh, other developments in the area immediately around us, uh, if you have a 50-unit development, that 50-unit development has its own culture and way of doing things next to another one that's a completely different type of design, etc. In our case, we are able to coordinate that. And, and for us, I think if you go past our development, you'll see that it's relatively successful. At some point during our discussion, he mentioned that there were around 36,000 people making use of the estate for both living and working. A number, <laughs> I have to be honest, that almost took my breath away. Recently, I was at a concert with around 20,000 attendees. That's less than the total number of people who can be accommodated by Waterfall. So I was especially surprised to hear how small his team is. We've got a relatively small team. It's about 25 people. We outsource most of our um, work to consultants and service providers. But if you're in my team, I have to say that you, uh, the people there are all very flexible. They, they can't take life too seriously because uh, they will simply... Uh, become morbid, uh, you know, if you get criticized all the time. It's a huge team effort. Yeah. We've got development partners like Attack and Baldwin and Century, and they also help us carry the burden. And then obviously we have companies uh, or property management companies um, that are doing their part. And uh, for us, as I said earlier, it's the main thing is to coordinate activities. Uh, we're looking uh, jealously after our brand, and we also – try and ensure that we fit in with a greater Johannesburg and the Gauteng environment as well, because we've got a responsibility to ensure that the type of infrastructure we put in there benefits the rest of the, the city as well. 
for example, on the rates and taxes, we're paying significant amount. Uh, it's about 360 million rands a year at currently in rates and taxes to the city of Johannesburg. So we, you know, we're part of a greater environment as well. We can't just see ourselves in, uh, in isolation. Today, Waterfall Management Company runs and maintains Waterfall Estate. But before it was developed, the land was called Waterfall. And the history of the land is quite an interesting story in itself. It didn't take too much prodding for Vili to dive right into where it all began. Turn off your light, Mr. Fool, man. The first person that named waterfall was a guy with the name of Peter McDonald. He was the land surveyor. There is a small waterfall at uh, Waterfall. And over the years, uh, we realized that in the current situation, it's better to call it waterfall instead of waterfall. But the history started, well, obviously since the beginning of time, but as far as uh, the farm waterfall is concerned, it started in basically 1850 when it was for the first time established as a formal farm. But the first time that the farm was uh, registered as a, as a farm was in 1888. So what happened was that this Peter MacDonald uh, was a land surveyor, surveyed the land. Then Johan Rissik, uh, the land surveyor general at the time, signed the original land surveyor plan. And then as... It was in those days Paul Kruger signed the original title deed in um, 1889. So the first owner was a lady with a name called Miss Pymont. Now, if I can take you back to the history of Johannesburg, gold was discovered in 1886. And in those days, everyone thought there were gold all over the place. They're not realizing that was actually a reef. And uh, there were alluvial gold in the Yekska River. And um, for that reason, the farm was established. And later on, Miss Pymont sold it to the uh, Gibson brothers. They were in the coach business or the transport business. At the time, originally, the farm was 3,400 hectares in size. Uh, but because of this transport business, the Gibson brothers were involved in. They, you know, obviously, ox wagons and cattle and all sorts of things, they created a pit stop between Johannesburg and Pretoria, and they called it Halfway House. That's where Halfway House got its name from. And then the actual farm today is 2,200 hectares after it's been cut up in smaller sections. Initially, Megawatt Park was part of the farm. Uh, the Buclu Interchange, where it is today, was part of the farm, and also the Allendale Interchange where the quarry is between Johannesburg and Pretoria, also being part of the farm, still actually part of the farm, but it reduced in size. So we're working with 2,200 hectares today. And we are proud of uh, what have been achieved over the last number of years. But I must say, the family initially used it as a farm. They had cattle and sheep and so on grazing there, had a bit of crops, corn crops and so on. But uh, only in 1985 did they uh, decide to start looking at developing it. But because of their faith, uh, the uh, Islamic faith, it was uh, not seen to be appropriate to sell it. The Mias actually bought the farm in 1934 and then built a school as well as a small mosque on the farm. And um, later on, uh, well, their houses, etc., and it stayed a farm until the time that we basically started developing it. And obviously, 
during the time certain pieces were expropriated by the government. So where we are today basically started in 1996. Uh, one of my colleagues, Werner von Rijn, uh, it was his brainchild. He befriended the Mias uh, prior to 1996, but uh, they asked him for some advice. They had some other business ventures together. And uh, together with Mr. Ishmael Mia, they uh, basically conceived the idea of, of waterfall and then went through uh, a rigorous uh, planning period. So after so many uses over so many years and the link between Pretoria and Johannesburg becoming busier, the land became a perfect spot to create this development, but it had to be used correctly. Look, the older people may remember that when you traveled between Johannesburg and Pretoria, uh, everyone saw this undeveloped piece of land, whereas most of the other parts between Johannesburg and Pretoria were being developed, uh, you know, during the 90s, etc. And there were quite a few cattle still grazing the land in those days. But the family realized that at some point in time, they will not be able to keep it as a farm. You know, it's just too valuable to remain as a farm and, and also the location. And that's one of our main features uh, at Waterfall is the, the fact that we have such a good location. Well, the main question at the time was what, into what do you develop it? Uh, is it going to be one large residential development, for argument's sake, RDP housing or just a middle income housing, etc.? And they realized that uh, it's not suitable uh, and it will also not be correct to only develop it for one development purpose. So right from the start, they uh, agreed on a mixed-use development approach. Initially, it was going to involve the lower end as well as the high end. So it's not like we um, thought about that towards the end. Okay. Um, we also at the, at the time thought that we could start with a golf course development for the higher end but our research through the environmental impact assessments and so on um, showed us that it was better to have a country estate type of development rather than golf courses and so on but apart from that we were able to stick to let's say 85 to 90 percent of our initial vision in terms of what we wanted to do and if I say wanted to do I mean the fact that we had commercial developments, retail developments, light industrial and residential, that, that we had in mind right from the start. But over time, the type of development in the residential became a bit more specialized. For example, we realized there's space for a equestrian estate, and that's why we created the equestrian estate. It's about 120 hectares. Um, there's 120 stands and with a small boutique hotel. And then we later on realized that we have to draw retail to, to the place, and uh, that's why we have the Mall of Africa today. And with all of that, we just started drawing more and more people. And uh, today we have 24,000 people working there, uh, and we are proud of it. Uh, and it's growing. By the time that it's completed, we'll have about eighty uh, to 85,000 job opportunities created, uh, permanent job opportunities created there. Currently, uh, we have about 12,000 people living on the estate. And I must say, it took even us by surprise as far as the um, growth um, rate is concerned. It's exciting to be part of it. 
When I joined in 2010, there were 18 houses in total, 13 at the Equestrian Estate and 5 at the one retirement village. Let's just mention that again. 18 houses just nine years ago? <laughs> That's crazy. It was a big team effort. We managed to have very good partners in um, Century and Atterbury. Uh, today it's uh, Attack in the, on the commercial side and also uh, Baldwin. Uh, they were the main players, but we had players like uh, Zenprop and Growth Point and Redefine and then other smaller developers also playing a role. So it's, it's a really a big team effort between many people. I couldn't let the opportunity slip away by not asking Vili about the Kruger millions that are supposedly on the land. Legend has it that President Kruger buried his fortunes under waterfall, which also opens up some interesting background on the former president's history on the land. Let me put it this way. We're digging so many holes there that if if it's there, we will get it. Unfortunately, I think that's um, – I not think uh, that is a myth. The involvement of Paul Kruger started in – 1889, early January, when he signed the original title deed, his uh, signature is on the title deed. I don't know if you've um, seen our coffee table book, but it's in there. And then um, over the years, remember, he was a president um, since the 1880s. Uh, and when gold was discovered, he traveled to Johannesburg and Pretoria quite often. And then he stayed over on the farm. Apparently, he had the um, belief that he didn't want to stay in the same town as the Eightlanders, you know, and he slept in the in one of the houses, well, there was a small house on Waterfall at the time uh, when he traveled from Pretoria, and then the next day he would go to Johannesburg. The same day would go back to the house at Waterfall and then travel back the next day to Pretoria. So um, that is a pure myth. They did not get it for free. The Mia family only bought it in 1934 from the deceased estate of the Gibson brothers. They were in the transport business, but they, um, after the Anglo-Boer War, they basically went out of business because the British took all their horses and the gear that they that they used or used at that point in time. So um, the the family did have a good relationship with uh, Paul Kruger, uh, the original Mr. Mia. Uh, I think it was Ishmael Mohammed Mia came to South Africa in 1880 and he befriended President Paul Kruger during the later part of um, the 1880s. He was a walker at the time and he often ended up uh, at Paul Kruger's house uh, in Church Street in Pretoria and being a Muslim. When they pray, it happens uh, a few times a day, but Paul Kruger gave him a space where he could wash, and uh, then he eventually prayed. And um, through that, they became friends. And Mr. Mia at the time asked Paul Kruger for a place where he could operate from on a more permanent basis, and eventually that then branched out to Paul Kruger's farm in Rustenburg, where he, uh, Mr. Or President Kruger rented out a portion of that farm and he started uh, a trading post there, and they and that's how their relationship grew over the years. But the Mias did not get the farm for free from uh, from uh, Paul Kruger at the time, but he was involved in the original establishment of the farm, and he did stay on the farm. Fast forward to today, and Waterfall is a sought-after hub. But what exactly is attracting people to live there? We've done a, a bit of research on why people are buying there. Uh, so the first component is the security aspect of it uh, we find that 90 percent actually just over 90 percent of the people buy there 
because it uh, it's perceived as a good security environment. Although um, it is an important aspect for us, the ideal would have been having no walls uh, in a normal society. That would have been great, but ours is a little bit different. And then we want people to feel uh, that they can walk, uh, you know, with their children. The children can play in the street uh, safely. Uh, the fact that we have uh, quite a bit of green land uh, in our development creates an atmosphere of people, you know, South Africans are close to nature uh, in general anyway. And we uh, encourage people to uh, jog, live a, a healthy lifestyle. We have quite a number of uh, walking trails. I think in, in the one development, it's over 30 kilometers, but almost all the estates have some kind of a facility. Um, in some cases, we we are going to improve it uh, even. So our main vision is to um, ensure that – okay, let's become a little bit more um, – pragmatic from a financial point of view we obviously want to ensure that the financial value or the value of the property is as high as possible for everyone so that's a main driver so we do everything that we can to ensure that uh, it will only go up now how do you do that you look at how we as humans function you have to ensure that they have the right amenities close to them it must be as comfortable as possible and also the living environment should be as easy as possible. We are uh, introducing various um, types of electronic uh, platforms, for example, a Go Waterfall app. And we've got a community portal, and there will be some other things as well. This format that we are using now with a podcast to uh, give people um, news or you know interesting things, broadcast that, all of that's part of our vision to ensure that it's a, f- a first world, first class development. That's what we are focusing on. We're doing a lot of research on um, what are the latest trends in city development and city design. And um, we can see that uh, there's room for improvement. Uh, but fortunately, we haven't completed the development. Uh, some people may say, oh, what it should have been completed. We haven't completed it. So there's a lot of room for us to improve and I think the people at Waterfall and the greater uh, Waterfall community will benefit from the ideas and the principles of development that we are investigating at the moment. There's a science behind cities, uh, mathematical science, uh, town planning science and uh, you know various aspects have to be taken into consideration. But if you ask me the main thing, first class, first world city in Africa and why not? We can do it. Uh, we've proved that we can do it if we all just work together. We can do it. From farmland to an award-winning mixed development, the land that you use every day has some rich history and fascinating backgrounds. We so often don't spare a thought for the process and procedures. Just take a moment to look around you. All the planning and thinking around every building, every road, every light, every wall, every dam. It all stems from this amazing history and the waterfall management team. Thank you for listening to episode one of a six-part series. In the next episode, we will shine the spotlight on the Waterfall Common Services Company. Tace and his team do way more than just meets the eye.
we'll be uncovering what goes into it. The various roles of the Waterfall Common Services Company, from provision of irrigation water to the common area landscaping and so much more. Stick around to find out more about the Waterfall Estate.